Sanji, hi and welcome to the Topical City podcast. I'm your host, Cameron, today. And as usual, we've got uh, fresh from the barbers, Richard Dugdale, uh, and fresh from 45 minutes at Oldham Road, James <laughs> Ashurst. How are you guys doing today? Late, mate. Feeling very late. I'm not sure who's more stressed out right now, James because he was held up in traffic or me because I was held up for 45 minutes like pre my appointment <laughs> at the barbers. Do you, want, do you want to name and shame the barbers? Or, uh, yeah, it's Mad stuff. Guys Barbers on Juicy Street and I would advise people not to book there like until at least lockdowns calm down a little bit. Good to know. So much anyway, yeah. out from the Mad Guys. Our sponsor today is Mad Guys Barbers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, we'll just have a quick look at the table and then I think we'll just get straight into it because there's a lot to go through. The Leeds game kind of fucked everybody. Uh, we literally all lost the point. I think it's the first time that's happened. Uh, so there's no change in position, but uh, I'm bottom still with minus three. James has minus two and Richard's sitting pretty at the top with a whole one point. How are you feeling about Positive the Rich, they stage? call me. <laughs> Nobody ever called you that. Uh, okay. Uh, so the Dortmund game went better than I expected it to go. Uh, what about you guys? It was always going to be tough, wasn't it? And they're a good side, despite what their league form sets. They've got good players there that can make a difference at any point. And at the end of the day, we won. That's all really that matters, isn't it? Yeah, I think you... In terms of it being the Champions League and it being Manchester City, you should always be worried. But we are a much, much better team than them. And I think that over the 90 minutes, that did show regardless of the chances. Um, and yeah, the better team came out the winners in the end for me. Uh, so we had Kev starting false nine uh, and it worked to treat. He scored the first goal. Well, how did you feel about uh, Kevin that game, Richard? I thought it was brilliant. He was man of the match for me if I was doing the player ratings. I think that he which I may have actually done the player ratings. In fact, now that I, uh, now that I think about it, I did do the player ratings. And was he your man of the match when you did it? It's been a long week. Was he man of the match? Um, I think he must have been because I don't think that anybody else was tremendous. Uh, so yeah, De Bruyne was man of the match. I think I gave him an 8 or an 8.5. For, for me, it was the way that he set up the attack for the first goal. De Bruyne is instrumental in that with his pass through to Foden and then Foden scuffs the pass a little bit to Mares, who who does well to recover from that and then just patiently waits for De Bruyne to, to be where he's going to be for him to slot home. So vintage Manchester City goal and yeah, man of the match, De Bruyne. Then we had a penalty scratched off. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I thought it was fairly right to be scratched off. Um, did you guys see anything in it that changed your mind about that? You immediately want it, don't you? Especially in the Champions League after all the shit we've had go against us. But you would be livid if that went against you, I think. Feel a bit I embarrassed think Rodri's about been Rodri. There. <laughs> I'm been... a bit embarrassed after seeing it. He's been watching a few too many like Spanish soap operas. It was no more embarrassing than any European or some England players like to dive holding the face. I think, did, did Kane do that in the... Um, yeah, yeah. So somebody that did that I saw on Twitter in the United Tottenham game, and people were calling him out for it. It, it, it happens, and it is a bit, a bit embarrassing when it's a City player that does it, but it's to be expected. And, and to be honest with you, I was kind of proud of him in a way because in these Champions League games, 
seeing how difficult Porto can be with stuff like this and the shithousery. These European referees, they tend to fall for things like that a lot more than the English ones. So, you know what, if, if other teams are going to do it to us and they have done successfully, then I think City should start playing the game a little bit as well. So, 50-50. Give it back, eh? Had it for so long, got to give it back a little bit. One player that scared me uh, that night, and it surprisingly wasn't um, Erling Haaland, was... I thought Jude Bellingham was insane. I don't know about you. I'm not relishing playing him again uh, on Wednesday. What do you think about his, his disallowed goal? We were very, very lucky. How do you feel about that, James? It was an absolutely valid goal. Edison just dropped an absolute bollock. And I, I actually feel a bit for Bellingham. What is he, 17? Scoring yeah. in the Champions League. Like, you've got to feel for the lad, haven't you, really? Like, if that wasn't City involved, you'd be spitting feathers. Obviously, I'm so glad it was ruled out. And as I said, it's about time we got a bit of luck. But yeah, he, he looks a talent. And correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw him on Twitter. Is he injured? Oh, I hope so. In a nice way. I thought he'd picked up an injury like in the Bundesliga game. The lads at City Extra were saying that he, he may have done, but it's not 100% confirmed. I think he got substituted after he... Right. I, I hated... Every single moment he was on the pitch uh, and on the ball. Uh, I, I just thought he was so good. And you can see why Birmingham have, have built a statue of him outside the club. <laughs> Dortmund will probably follow. How um, are we getting shit for building statues and there's um, all this Birmingham talk? <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Haaland, how did you feel he played that day? I, I thought the one time he did get through, he looked, he looked like he's that sort of striker that just needs the one chance, but he didn't take it that day how do you feel he looked against us the other day Johnny Stones kept him quiet in the first half I don't think that's Harlan's fault I think that Stones proper stood up to him and his chance in the game comes I think from from playing off the shoulder of Diaz rather than Stones yeah and yeah. when he shrugged even Diaz though off, like yeah. absolutely nothing it doesn't look good for Diaz. I think when, when they played that back, the Champions League, they like to do a lot of these slow motion replays. And it reminded me a bit of like the film 300, where <laughs> the way that he shrugged him up. It was just lethal. But I th if you look back at that, Diaz does enough to put Haaland off and he stumbles a little bit before he's able yeah. to get the shot away. And, and so, yeah, Diaz should be a bit embarrassed there, but he did actually do enough to, to put Haaland off. And he came alive a bit more in the second half, but I, I think full credit goes to City's defence there for, for keeping him at bay rather than Haaland for not having a good game. I think part of his play, though, as well, is that, he, yeah, he has those moments that he can go and do it on his own, but there's a team around him and... Did they provide him with that much? Like, I mean, I've slept since then, but I don't recall them lighting it up like that for him. Like, I know a couple of their other guys had some chances. Um, but you said about Diaz putting him off for that shot. I think if you, if you watch it back, you, you're right. And if you look at Haaland's body shape, he's like almost doubled over the ball. He's like hunched over it and he's own, it looks like he's trying to chip it to the far post or something. And that is because of the impact Diaz had on him. And, this isn't me picking Diaz up. He should have done better. But you're right in saying that he did have an impact there. He's very much like Harry Kane, isn't he? He 
back to goal, especially during yeah. that game. Maybe he's not like that every game, but he'd be back to goal, trying to get the the other players involved more than him getting the goal that game. Mm. Um, he's scary, isn't he? Like the size of him, and when he gets going, like he's like a freight train, isn't he? I think it's that caveman growl more than yeah. anything. I, I did think he was as tall as he was. And Jesus Christ, he's mm. massive. Seen the picture of Phil Foden hugging his waist <laughs> full time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of Phil, uh, scored the second one, obviously. Um, I did think he, it looked like he, he was going to squander a lot of chances uh, and we were going to draw that game till he did score. Um, he had a really good game, but what did you think about the missed chances that he made? He's finally joined that elite pantheon of City forward players who just refuse to get the ball in the back of the net. So it was a real coming-of-age moment for him. But unlike all of those profligate players that we've got in that forward line, he actually stuck with it. And I think what impressed me the most about it was his attitude once he got the goal. You could tell he was just pissed off with himself for not putting away the multitude of chances that he had before that. And... Yeah, he missed a lot of the chances, important chances, when we could have gone 2-0 up. And I think if we go 2-0 up in that game, it's a little bit different. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a sliding doors moment and Dortmund don't actually score and we don't have that away goal hanging over us. But for him to come back from that and not be defeated by his missed chances, get the ball in the back of the net and recognise that he'd made a mistake, I think that, yeah, it was a proper, decent performance from him overall in the end it was just that final ball wasn't it really like the rest of the stuff he was doing was excellent like was, was it De Hood, he had that they took him off in the end they took the right back off didn't they because he's knackered um, but there's just a couple of absolutely beautiful moves that you know I, I dare I say Messi-esque the way he's turning certain players and yeah, it's just that that end ball that you know it'll, it'll come. And one of the brilliant things about him for City though is that his end product's actually been decent. Like when you yeah. think back to that West Ham game where we were massively struggling at the beginning of the season, and he comes on and he gets us that equaliser. No one else on the pitch is doing that shot, turning and, and getting the ball in that like inch perfect shot in the back back of the net. And it's actually a I know I just praised him and everything and said that he came good in the end, but it is a little bit worrying if he, our most lethal player in front of goal, isn't able to convert those chances that are put on a plate for him. I think he was just trying too hard. That he's, well, he's I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about missing converted chances in a moment when we move on to the Leeds game. Uh, before we do, I just I did just want to bring up about that um, away goal. It was very annoying to score, uh, to concede rather. Was anybody at fault? Did you feel like there was something yes. we could have done more about that? Oh, here we go. Yeah, James thinks somebody was at fault. Go ahead. I said at the time, uh, unless I'm mixing this up with the Leeds goal. No, I'm missing it with the Leeds goal. Ignore me. Okay. We'll get, we'll get, <laughs> on, we'll get on to Leeds. We'll uh, Campaign as a word picture for the Dortmund goal so that we can refresh it in our minds. Okay. Uh, Marco Royce scored. There's your there's your word picture. <laughs> um, Harlan just did some incredible link up play, did he? he? He just put it around. I'm assuming it was Stones and Walker's side because um, yeah, Royce scored from the left. Marco Royce is is a player for me that. 
he's like Steven Gerrard when he was at Liverpool in that he's clearly an incredible player that is just in a team that very rarely wins anything. And it's shocking to me that he's still at Dortmund because I think he could play for one of the, the biggest teams in the world. So it wasn't exactly surprising when he scored, uh, especially when he's put through on goal like that. Have you not I seen think... that solid comment that he made about all the uh, other Dortmund players going to Bayern? <laughs> he's the only one left, anyway. He's, yeah, he's uh, constantly like... left behind. By, by he basically said, Bayern, Bayern aren't going to get me. Like, congrats to Lewandowski and was it Goethe and Hummel, yeah. but Bayern won't get me. He could easily make it at Madrid or even at us. Or, oh, yeah. You know, and he's, he's one of those players that I think is, is very much a big fish in a smaller pond. Um, he was tired there. Yeah. And I think we should be wary of him again uh, next game, but not as much as Jude Bellingham. Anyway, enough about Dortmund. Let's get down into the, the drudges and talk about, not the drudge Rugdales, but the drudges and talk about <laughs> that awful game. Uh, on Saturday that I got out of bed for. What was that, man? Like, what was that game on? Do you not watch it from bed? I wish I had. <laughs> but, no, unfortunately not. Not only did he fuck us with the lineup, because who could foresee Zinchenko starting in midfield? Which I was excited about uh, from, a, from a fan point of view. What do you think when you saw that that team? It was weird. We spent, like, 30 minutes on the WhatsApp chat going through it and thinking like where are these players actually going to line up i think i was one of the few people who was thinking i don't think Zinchenko is starting in midfield here i think he's at left back and he's going to play mendy like wide left like in the forward line because <laughs> sometimes that's where he ends up anyway and well to be honest we'll get into it but as the leeds match went on he pretty much did end up up there anyway yeah, it, it was a really weird squad choice, but we've gone through it before talking about the Fulham game and the Leicester game. If you're going to rotate these players in and out, you're going to have to do different things. He's done the double pivot. He's gone back to a back five and, and wing backs. And I think this is just another one of those things where if you, you need to rest players, you're just going to have to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I said at the start that the, it was a difficult lineup to predict like where they were going to play, like you say. But as, as we got into it, it felt like there were a bunch of strangers playing. It felt like a heavily rotated team. And I know that you can't have a team like that at City because most of them are first-teamers, let's face it, and it's just a rotation. But I, I said to you guys that it feels like there are a bunch of strangers playing up front together. You know, someone like Torres, yeah, he got his goal and he's young. He's quite ineffectual at this point, and that's not his fault. It take, it'll take him a year, like I'm not beating on the guy um, but it's almost like he doesn't exist for, for three quarters of the game I actually think he plays better up front because at least he does his job then and poaches a goal but I feel like we're offering very little off the right and he's almost been like a man down and I know Leeds did have a man down but yeah <laughs> I think we've I think said it before right. about about Torres in particular the, the, the thing about him is as well like you're saying he, he kind of had a rough 70 minutes or whatever, but he also fades in games. Like the longer that he's on the pitch and the more the match goes on, he just seems to be less and less interested. I'm not sure if it is maybe a COVID thing, but they seem to be happening at the beginning of the season as well. I will just say that he was by far not the worst player on the pitch and he does not get true. a goal, which is more than you can say for oh, well, Sterling we'll and Jesus. <laughs> we'll get to that, don't you worry. Uh, I think you're right, Joe. It's weird because... 
he was playing where Maris plays, and Maris sees so much more in the ball during a game than Torres ever did at all during that game. Why do you think Maris does see as much of the ball? Does he come deeper? Does he? Does it? Is it a trust thing? Like the the, the other players trust him more to have the ball? Like why? Why do you think Torres sees so little of the ball on the right side? Is it that Mares isn't afraid to stand wide right and receive the ball from long passes? His first touch control is so good. You can trust like one of the players to just ping a pat like a 30, 40, 50 yard pass to him across the pitch and for him to just take it first time. But maybe Torres doesn't have that in his bag. So he needs to be set up more with through balls across the floor. I don't know. Which isn't the way we play, really, is it? We, we don't play through balls across the floor. We play ball into feet and then run at the wingers, uh, at the wingbacks. Um, one thing I wanted to say, especially, I, I predicted Ben Mendy would start uh, that game, you know, just to rub some dust off my shoulders. Um, <laughs> you got minus points for that lineup, mate. I wouldn't break two. <laughs> yeah, because Zinchenko played midfield. What am I supposed to do? Um, <laughs> I wish he hadn't have played because Rafinha had his number all game. Like he he was completely ineffectual at all points. Uh, and he, I was kind of hoping it would be the start of a Ben Mendy turnaround, but it didn't look like it. How do you feel he played? My opinion has not changed on him. It was the same as the other week that he's just a body at this point to help us rotate. I know he scored, but I don't know. He's, he's a frustrating one, isn't he? Because I, I love the guy, absolutely love the guy, but I don't think he can be relied upon as anything special. You know, I don't, I don't expect any more of him than I would a young left back coming through the youth team now. Just be consistent, don't drop a bollock. That's that's all I ask of him now because I don't expect anything else. But he was consistent and he did a drop a bollock. I definitely wouldn't identify. It. I disagree a little bit there, and I don't think he was one of the worst players on the pitch. I never said he was one of the worst players on the pitch. I just... I was, yeah, Cameron would just sort of set it up a little bit, like, let's identify him in particular. No, what I meant was, I feel like if Sinchenko's on that wing, Rafinha doesn't have the run of that wing as much as he did. Um, yeah. Rather than him playing badly, I just think you can't pick him against quick wingers. He's just not quick enough. Um, and I think it it just contributed to them gaining the confidence that they always went down that right side, uh, apart from the goals. They always, they constantly went down that right side because um, they knew he was just him and Ake. Ake just coming back from fitness is they just seemed weak on that side and they could exploit that. So I think Mendy against them was a bit of a a bad pick. Um, how did you feel about their two goals? What what where were the the errors coming from then? The first one was a world-class goal and you can't really criticise any City players for it. Like they, they hit us on the break and they it, it's a shot that can't be stopped. It goes in off the post like that. Ake does enough to block most of the goal for the shot. I think, oh, actually, I think you're going to go where I'm probably going to go, James. And Cancelo gets rinsed on the uh, at the right back position. No, James is shaking his head, so that's not right. Who else can I bad mouth the fuck out of? I wouldn't blame any city player for that that uh, first goal. It it felt like those both goals were quintessentially these goals that Manchester City get hit by when we lose these these types of games. 
One of them was a world-class goal that couldn't really be stopped. And the other one was just a really shitty uh, moment where we've not got the right players back to keep pace with the counter-attack. They play a great through ball through and Edison probably should have done, should probably do better and it goes through his legs. It was just kind of vintage fuckery in <laughs> Manchester City, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt very adamant. Go on, James, he's to blame for that first goal. See, I've only watched it live, so I'm, I'm happy to be wrong on this. But didn't Fernandinho just let his man go? And that's the guy that scored. Just on just as he box. got yeah, just as he got to the edge of the box, Fernandinho just stopped running and Dallas just kept running through and put it in the net. Like Is that the second that, goal? I no, the second goal was when they were clean through. The second goal, Fernandinho lets Dallas go as well. It's, it's him who can't keep up with him to uh, and by that point, oh, no, no, it's not playing yeah. Fernandinho at, at yeah, centre back. That one. So. It's the first yeah, yeah. one. So, so Dallas runs through midfield, Fernandinho tracks him and comes with him and then just stops running. Dallas keeps going and gets something into the ball then. But it's, it's the opposite of what... And bear in mind, Fernandinho was great in that game up until that point. And it's the opposite of what you'd expect your DM to do. He's supposed to get his body between the net and the guy, basically. And he just let him... It's like he just thought he'd got out for a free kick or something and just stopped. Because uh, I said it to you guys at the time. I put a message on the WhatsApp saying, what has Fernandinho just done there? And like I say, I've only watched it the one time, so I'm happy to be wrong on it. But... That was my vibe on it. Where does no, good spot. play? I actually don't know what position he plays. He's a defender, isn't it? Is he, is he not the, Have is, we let goals in from another left back? Is he not the one that can play a multitude of positions? Uh, he must be. He must be uh, all across the park sort of guy. On Forza football, they've got Dallas lined up as like an attacking midfielder in front of Phillips. No, okay. Really? Weird. But Forza um, football has been known to just put like Harry Kane at left back at times, so maybe that's not the best source to go from. <laughs> we'll get positive. We'll talk about the positives in a moment, but before we do that, no, let's complain more. Yeah, I'm we enjoying have to complain this. about playing eighty nine percent possession without remotely trying to get through the defense and actually score a goal. As you said before, as you alluded to. Possibly Raheem Sterling's worst game in a City shirt, maybe. Is that being too sensationalist? I, I thought he, no, it was, he had a poor North. game. I thought he, it might have been the worst I've ever seen him play. Um, I didn't notice it as bad on anybody else. Maybe I was just focusing on him too much, but I just thought Raheem was awful. And I could see why he's not been playing recently. How, what did you guys think? Yeah, he, he's hard to put your finger on who's at fault. And maybe the answer is not one person was at fault. Yeah, Sterling did have a bad game. One of his worst. I'd be reluctant to say his worst game based on one live watch. You know, you see you see people laying into Sterling. And I don't mean the shit on Twitter because that's just fucking stupid and wrong in every way. But I mean, criticising his performance and... When you see people saying, oh, let him go and I'd sell him now and get him off to Madrid and all that. He's an absolutely brilliant player. And you look back at some of the big moments he's had for us and important goals he's scored. You kind of go, fair play, like that's more than most. And, he, you know, he's getting more stick than most. And I was trying to put my finger on what what it is because I like him as a guy. Like I like him as a player. I think he does a lot of good things. And I think I don't enjoy watching him play football. I think that's the, the thing that I've put my finger on with it. 
Foden gets the ball and I love watching him with the ball at his feet because of what he could possibly do. Same with Kev, same with David Silva, same with Bernardo. With Sterling, I'm waiting for him to fuck up and I just don't enjoy it. Does that does that sound really out of order for me? I understand. Like, there's plenty of times that Raheem Sterling's been the last man through on goal after a counter-attack. And we're all just thinking, how's he going to mess this up? How's he going to put this up? And you are right, he's an incredible football player, but he's very much... He feels like every, you know, 30 games or so, he'll just suddenly downturn. He'll be he'll play great for 20, 25 games and just suddenly downturn yeah. and then be an absolute liability on the pitch. So maybe it's just... We shouldn't sell him. He's, he's one of the best in the world at his position. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty good return, that, isn't it? If you have 20, 30, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But there's, a bit of a there's people who, when he has seven games, bad, seven bad games, they'll turn on him and say, we've got to sell him while we can get the money for him or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But no, just, just get him through this period and then he'll start scoring again. It's what he always does. He's been like that ever since he came to City. Um, but when he is like this, you can't afford playing him in big games where you need goals. Um, Do you think so the big thing with him... Sorry, mate, come on. No, go ahead. Do you think the big thing with him is that... The way he can swing both ways is just greater. Like when he has a bad game, it's worse than someone else having a bad game, and that's why it stands out a bit more. I think it's just because you expect so much from him. Like you, yeah. everyone, every, every season, people go, he's got better and better at finishing. He's got better at finishing every season on top of the other one. And then when he stops doing that, and he just seems like he's reverted to his old tricks of one too many steps, it's just really, really noticeable. Uh, like you say, especially when you compare it to the likes of Ford, who, who takes that shot when it should be taken. Um, so I, I just think you've got to nurse him through his bad periods and then eventually he'll come good for you again. Just before we wrap up on Leeds, I think that we can obviously criticise City for a relatively poor game over 90 minutes. But in the wider context of the Premier League season, this match means absolutely fuck all. The title's already won. We know we can drop points in the running. Manchester United have got a much more difficult fixture list than us ahead. So for anybody who's associating criticism with criticism of us of Manchester City as like a wider in a wider context, it's just not the case. Like it's just a one of those shitty games that City can have every once in a while. Exactly. So uh, we'll move on in a moment. I just wanted, I do want to go positive, I'm afraid, Richard. Uh, can we uh, just talk about, can we just talk about John Stones in that game? Yes, please. I was hoping he, you'd say that. He was, the, he was the best player on the pitch for me. Darting runs through the midfield. Um, if he was Vincent Company, he probably could have got a couple of screamers. <laughs> um, what did you guys He was up for it, wasn't he? John? Yeah. I thought it was great that heat map of his like positioning after the match is like proper uh, decent. Like he's just all over the place, not afraid to run with the ball, like right into deep into the opposition's half. We've seen that from Laporte in quite a few games this season. And I think when you need an extra man up there, Pep's not afraid to just let him go ahead and do it. And I, I wish that it came to to something a little bit more than it did against Leeds, but. Fingers crossed. Uh, he, he, we know he's been good in both boxes so much this season. So there were so many no Vinny, no shoot moments <laughs> from John Stones. That I was just praying for it, but just didn't seem to have the confidence. It felt as it was getting towards the end as well. It felt like that Leicester game, where just all we needed was a screamer. 
and it just, he just wasn't willing to take it on. But other than that, I'd like to say, even though Fernandinho was at fault for the goals, I thought he was probably the second best player on the pitch, which isn't great uh, in a 2 1 loss. But I, I just thought both Stones and Fernandinho were the only people who really looked like they wanted it that day. Um, and Zinchenko. Yeah, sorry, and, and Alex. Uh, but I, those three, I think, could come off the pitch with their head held high. I'm not sure about the other eight. So, what were your thoughts on the red card? I mean, it was Straight pretty, red. Yeah, it was pretty uh, vicious. It? I, I mean, maybe again the slowdown added a bit to it, but it, it was pretty vicious, and I, I have no complaints with it. If, if I, we'd have done that, I'd have probably been all right with somebody getting sent off. Let me bring the negativity back, lads, if you don't mind. <laughs> I missed it. Go on. I, I fucking hate when. So that's a red card every single day of the week, but because it's plucky underdog leads, Bielsa's leads against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, everyone's desperately looking for a reason to try and even things out. So in all of the post-match coverage that you get from everybody, they're identifying Sterling um, slightly standing on their keeper's gloves when he's trying to get on the end of a loose ball and, and their keeper saves it. They're highlighting that tactical foul that Fernandinho made where all he does is hip check the Leeds player and the Leeds player does like a roly-poly through the air. Like it, it that's they're both they're probably bookings, but they're definitely not red cards. And everyone's so desperate to try and come out of it and say that the odds needed to be even more even in some way. And it's just bullshit. It was a straight red card. He endangered Jesus. He was very lucky not to injure the lad. So they can fuck off. No, they deserve to be down to 10 men and I wish that they didn't get the three points either the bastards. It's been a while since we had a, a weekly injustice for Richard, but there you go. <laughs> back, back to to classic early days topical city podcast for you there. Uh, all right, uh, unless you've got anything else to say about Leeds. I think that's a good way to end it. Then we'll uh, move on to our... Dirty, dirty Leeds. We'll take the break and we'll come back <laughs> and do a slightly different debate. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. And we're back to something different for the debate. I wanted to know what the combined Richard and James Topical City Podcast 11 for Man City would be. So for the next sort of six episodes that I'm doing, uh, we're gonna we're gonna delve into that question a little bit. It's gonna be a standard four three three, provided nobody has any uh, objections to that, Richard. We'll see about that. <laughs> Basically, the way it's gonna be, I don't want obviously the city best eleven, apart from a few positions, is probably very easy to pick. So that's not what I want out of this. I want basically your favourite. City 11 combined with the best, combined with maybe the worst, combined with basically, I want street fight tactics, anything goes for you guys to get your pick into the 11. Basically, you street fight, it's a down and dirty street fight. That's um, Ben Thatcher getting picked then. So, in uh, respect of, of the fallen Prince Philip this week. Uh, our ghost king, uh, GK, if you will. The first question. 
That's a tenuous link, that mate. Jesus. The first question. <laughs> How do you look at yourself? Which goalkeeper makes it into the combined Richard James Manchester City eleven? Richard, I'll, I'll let you go first. Either way, Prince Philip was not a king, so we can't even allow that to pass. He was a He's prince to consort. The queen. He's a prince consort. <laughs> He's not the king. What do you want me to say? Ghost. Uh, Ghost prince GP. All right. What, who's your goalkeeper? General, pra- general practitioner. <laughs> so for the goalkeeper that I've chosen for Richard and James's combined topical City eleven is Edison. And the reason why I thought that was basically I went up and down the laundry list of Manchester City goalkeepers. First, I thought about just repeating James's Bert Troutman loving, <laughs> like word for word, <laughs> just seeing if that still stood up for the second time it crossed my in a row. Mind, then I thought about David James and I thought, no, I'm going to save him for when we pick our forwards. <laughs> <laughs> And then I thought, no, I'll, I'll let I'll let James have David James so that I can call him Calamity James at the end of the debate as well and really bring that uh, full score home. But I'm going for Edison, and it's just because I think that he's not only City's best goalkeeper, but he's also the biggest personality that we've ever had in net. You know, he's no World War II hero, but <laughs> he is a fucking madman. And just, I don't think we're going to pick Manchester City's actual best 11 here. So I want to see what it would be like to have Edison as the goalkeeper. If you're going to have like Nicholas Jensen at left back and Richard Dunn at centre back, you're not going to have that solid defensive line to protect Manchester City and you're going to have Edison doing mad shit as well. So I think he does meet the brief in this as not only a great goalkeeper, City's best ever goalkeeper perhaps, but also just a fucking lunatic that would be great to have in the team. James? How, how very uh, uninspiring and safe that call was, Richard. Nobody's safe when Edison's around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've ruined my pick already, but I've gone for David James. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Um, as you said, this isn't the case of picking the best or, you know, most important. I'm just like having a bit of fun with this. So I think David James should go into the combined 11 uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, he's played eight, over 850 games in his domestic career, 100 of which were for City. So there's a good start. But more importantly, this man is a character. He's a dab under the paintbrush. He's been known to dip to team meetings to walk to the top of a hill to paint the view. I've gone back through his history and found some quotes and some like little issues that he's had. He once blamed a poor performance for playing too much Tekken on the PlayStation. He was, uh, instru- he was on Strictly Come Dancing in a stunning floral suit and lasted five weeks before he's booted out. And he's got form for suits as well because supposedly he was the guy behind the infamous Spice Boys white suits. How could you not want this guy in your combined 11, Cameron? I mean, I suppose it depends who his main character is on Tekken. I was going to say he's won my heart already with being a Tekken (laughs) fan, especially if it's Tekken 3 and he's playing as Jin Kazama. If he picks Eddie Gordo, he's he's not getting anywhere near this 11. Uh, I just just had a look and it was Tekken 3, he said. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I know for a fact that Edison loves to play Time Crisis too. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, I'm up for having James, but he's got to wear that uh, Strictly Come Dancing outfit, the Spice Boys outfit while painting the scenery also in net. He's got to bring all of those things to the football pitch. I'd rather, see, <laughs> I'd rather see Edison running out past Richard Dunn and cropping people so that forcing Dunny to go back on the, the goal line to save save the ball. So, no, I'm sticking with my pick and Edison. See, the only difference that you get with David James, he'd run out to do that, but he would tackle Richard Dunn in the process, which is, <laughs> you pay your money for entertainment, don't you? And I think that's peak entertainment. And then Richard Dunn would score an own goal. <laughs> exactly. What more do you want? Who, who do you think? The nostalgia eleven. This tech of things really got into my head. Um, <laughs> uh, who would uh, Edison uh, play in tech, Richard? Who do you think? Ooh, I'm going for Brian Fury. Oh, you said the exact one. <laughs> I think that, that he's 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 all about Brian Fury, isn't he? I'd I'd love for him to be more of a. Kazuya or Heihachi Mishima, but no, uh, you can picture him doing that maniacal oh. laugh just as he's about to punch someone's light, so. I'm about to make my decision, but there's a twist coming in. You've got one more thing you can say each. Free from guile cliches. I don't want these debates to be marred by a guile cliche or worry from hitting a guile cliche. So if you know you can't hit a cliche, is there anything else you'd like to say about your choices? Yes. I thought there might. <laughs> I purposely kept it back just in case. You think back to City being shit and you think about some of the mad moments that happened. On that list, is David James going up front for Stuart Pearce in the last game of the season against Middlesbrough and just taking that Middlesbrough defence out one by one, nearly scoring at the back post at the end before we got the penalty that Robbie Fowler missed and we missed out in Europe. Like, come on. Richard, anything else you want to add? I'm trying to think of how many uh, cliches I can mention in such a, such a <laughs> short period of time. Uh, Sweeper-keeper. Uh... <laughs> could play in midfield. Played at left-back. Could play in midfield, yeah. Could play at left-back. Yeah, we, we talk about how good he is on the ball. I think you could actually play Edison up front. You don't need to just try it out once with David James and realise that it's a massive fucking mistake. He's a you David James wannabe. Well, aren't we all, really? <laughs> <laughs> you can blame the lad. All right, let's, let's ring the bell. When you said David James, James, I, I would have thought if you'd have picked Nicky Weaver or... Arnie Harrison, uh, I thought you had a much stronger chance with him, but you've actually done quite well for David James. Though. <laughs> um, I'm so shocked that none of us, none of us thought of Carlo Nash, though. By the way, let's not forget about. He was in. He was in my shortlist. Um, I big sexy Carlo Nash. I personally probably would have <laughs> gone for Arnie Harrison for the one game he played for City, and <laughs> uh, has lived long in my memory, but. Honestly, I think I've got to go for button bashing David James. You win. Uh, on this one, I'm afraid. Uh, there's definitely no doubt he's probably not even in the top three. No. Of the keepers <laughs> that we um, but, yeah, I think I think uh, uh, Tepin wouldn't be over, I'm afraid, Richard. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you would have known that. 
if you'd have done your research. Uh, <laughs> all right, David James is in that. And that is irreversible. From now on, you two will always be associated with Calamity James. So following that, in memory of departed rapper DMX this week, a dedicated rap boy, uh, which RB, right back, will go in the James and Richard combined alone. Just because Cameron was going to be losing points there, or what, for this? <laughs> for this did any of us, What's wrong with rap boy? Did any of us hit a girl cliche? Told you there were no guard cliches. I thought only in the last bit. No, there's no guard cliches. Argue Sorry. as wide as you want, as as common as you want. Just do so. It. There's none in this one either. There's nothing. Nothing's off the table. Oh wow! It is the Wild West. Mm. I want the combined eleven. No, no worries and fears. Just give it to me. James, go. Wish I knew that before I'd prep to this. But all right. <laughs> Right, right back in our combined 11 is Mika Richards. You've got a nice blend of him being a great player, a youth academy prospect that came through, made an England debut, played well for his country, but also he just seems such a laugh and he's now representing City on TV where we've not really had that and it's always been like a fucking Liverpool fest or a United fest. You've got Gary Neville commentating on a City game or whatever. Like, it's nice to have some City voices there now. So you've got the full package of Mika. And then besides that, this is the guy that was like swearing national TV when he's getting interviewed. He played a big part in us winning the league. He played more games than Zaba that season. Um, he loves making a mug now out of some of the sort of commentators and guys that he has on Sky with him like the, the weird bromance he's got with Roy Keane is just like, laughable and then don't know if you saw him making Jamie Carragher dance last week just honestly you can't not see it once it's happened did you catch it? I, I did see it uh, but it also made me listen to Jamie Carragher laugh so I don't know if that's a point in your favour I did see it and then I wish that I never saw it exactly <laughs> but 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 Mika Richards is causing these, uh, in quotations, Liverpool legends, United legends to be made fools of. So he's, uh, he's, he's doing God's work. We all love a bit of Mika Richards, uh, Richards. Why do you keep picking people that have the same names as your first names? Man? This was... Makes it impossible to... Just, <laughs> um, you've got to bear in mind, mate, it's the combined James and Richard 11. Oh, so it's just going to be everybody named... So Richard Dunn's coming in next week. Uh, well, I thought it was quite clever to speak David James and Mika Richards. I've gone by the brief. We all love a bit of Mika Richards. Can you beat him? Sunji, hi there. Oh, and welcome sake. to the Topical City podcast. <laughs> 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 My choice is, is <laughs> Manchester City and China legend, Sunji, hi. And I've written a bit of prose out here, Cameron. <sighs> Oh, uh, to, to make my argument for me. Singing ay ay yippee sunji hai. Singing ay ay yippee sunji hai. No, we all know how that goes then. <laughs> while <laughs> I <fun>. do <laughs> while I do tick the explicit content uh, box when we upload the podcast, I don't think I'm gonna delve too far into that. No, it's he's a Manchester United ad for G Song Park. <laughs> 
Better than Manchester United chance for most players, let's be fair. But yeah, I've chosen Sunji Ai and as I said, Manchester City legend, China legend. He was part of that vintage uh, season back in the Premier League squad when we were growing up uh, under Kevin Keegan. And we need somebody to make the players laugh in the dressing room. I don't think there's enough humour in Manchester City. And while Micah Richards does like to just laugh nonsensically at every single thing that's said, I think the players get a lot more joy out of impersonating Sunji High based on numerous <laughs> interviews that. Hey, is there anybody specific you're thinking of? That? Since he's left the football club, yeah, the countless Manchester City players have banged on about this. Because uh, I, I remember one specifically, uh, uh, good old uh, five million pound man John Macken, uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Love yes. to take the mick out, isn't you know? <laughs> Really? John, yeah, yeah. So he, I we, think... Do you want to tell the story about John Mack and uh, his interview in the programme, Richard, if you remember it, or I will? Is this, yeah, is this going to allow to be aired? You, you remember this a lot more than me, I think. I think you can probably verbatim list oh, out exactly what John Mackin said. <laughs> We're going to be bleeping this out, lads. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it. John Mackin's saying it. Uh, so you, you make the decision, Richard. <laughs> um, in the program once, they asked uh, John Macken, um It was just who was the who was the funniest guy in the team or something like that. Uh, and I'm cringing Macken, already, by the way. I'm cringing. John Macken, without any any irony or anything like that, I've just said we Sunji High. Um, he used to run around and shout "unbearable, unbearable," spelt oh like that in the program. Like literally spelled oh my God. like that. In the <laughs> Just read anything. Oh my God. <laughs> How's that going? How's John Mack been allowed to say that? And then how have they put that in the program? <laughs> and then how did it get past the editor, etc.? <laughs> but that's the kind of levity that I think that we need to bring back to Manchester City squad. And it's the kind of levity that I want for James and Richards combined starting 11. Okay, so Richard wants some casual racism in the lineup. Uh, <laughs> what's your rebuttal here? Uh, I've got two things. Oh, I've got one thing to say that if you want a guy that can wear fake lens glasses, but also a guy that can offer out Mario Balotelli in training, then look no further than the great Mika Richards. That it? Yep. I'll die I'm with satisfied. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> I'm happy. All right, let's let's have a, a ring a ding of the bell. I feel like there's an image in your head that's just going to win this for you now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 very funny. Um, is it a more of a John Macken moment than a Sunday High moment? Is the <laughs> is the is the main uh, stuff like it? Um, I, if it makes you feel better, I will also be picking John Macken as that starting <laughs> sense. <spot. laughs> these these are the two. I would probably as pick myself. Um, obviously, there's Pablo, um, but it's too easy. Patrick Trebelsi as well. Don't forget pick, picking Pablo is too easy. Um, so these are the one of the two that I probably would have gone for. Michael Richards is uh, he's, he's got a bromance with Roy Keane, as you said. Uh, some might call it being a traitor to even remotely acknowledge he that he's in the same room. Keep your friends close, your enemies closer, mate. Uh, so you keep Roy Keane too close, I think. Um, I think in the combined 11, we're going with Big Sunday High.
whoever David Jones and Big Sunji hire, we're just going to recreate that team. <laughs> the 2001, 2002. We're just going to recreate the, the first three or four years of the Kevin Keegan, Stuart Pearce era of Manchester City. Okay. Uh, so get thinking about your two centre backs, guys, for about what, three weeks' time? Uh, Gonna distance. It's so, already we've already decided. All right, well I've got a distance. <laughs> Nicholas Jensen at left back. Uh, just carry on from there. Great, carry on. Uh, right, that was the debate. We'll come back to it. Uh, we'll have our normal regular scheduled topical and not topical debates uh, next week. Let's have a break and let's get into Dortmund again. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. Alright, after picking the first two players in the combined James and Richard Eleven, um, we're back with a Dartmouth preview, back to normality. How are you feeling about the return leg? Yeah, you'll see from my predictive score that I'm not super, super confident. And again, this all just comes back down to Manchester City in the Champions League. Like, I can't watch City in the Champions League without feeling nervous and remembering Leon, remembering Spurs, the Scousers, Monaco. I mean, there's just a laundry list of defeats there. And not to be fair, not just under Pep Guardiola, ones before him as well, where we just fallen at that hurdle when we shouldn't have done. We've got a better squad than the opposition. Yes, it's a game of football and anything can happen over 90 minutes, but you'd like to think that, you know, players that have won the Premier League as many times as these had, that are serial trophy winners at this point, no matter whether you joined the club when Bernardo Silva joined or whether you joined the club when Sergio Aguero joined, you'd like to think that these lads have got what it takes to not cave under the pressure and get the job done. But all it takes is one of these little individual mistakes like we saw from Edison in the first leg, like we've seen from Rodri against Mönchengladbach and again in the first leg. So... I'm crossing all fingers, all toes, all eyes, everything, and hoping that we can see it through and just not let that away goal bother us. James, yeah, I think I think um, I think I said it on a previous pod that I almost go into the Champions League with no expectations and just treat it as I'm sitting down watching a game and I hope to enjoy this because Richard's just reeled off the list there of the disappointments we've had and. It's just too much in it. Like, I'm not sat here brutal with confidence that we're going to batter Dortmund and we're going to go on and win the whole thing. I, I just you're setting yourself up for a fall because the recent history shows that that isn't the way it works, and the confidence we have in the league doesn't necessarily translate through into the Champions League. And as Richard said, you see people like Rodri be a bit shaky when he's been brilliant for us, and that's just part and parcel of this competition and the pressure that comes with it. So, how do I feel? I'm just going to take it as a normal game and hopefully we play well and do well. Anybody you're particularly wary of at the other game? <laughs> yeah, of course it's Haaland. We Darling talked about Haaland last time. Let's pick someone else. 
Well, we talked about Bellingham already, haven't we? And he's he's another one. Yeah. Sancho, Sancho, I don't think he'll be back. They said he's he's fit or he's training, but they don't think he'll be ready in time. I, I was thinking specifically Bellingham and Royce. Um, I'm not looking forward to that at all. But like like we said, Mate, they, they could like play a player for the first there. time that they've ever played, like that one that that young lad who started right, against City in the last one, and he'll fucking just come on and like show us up. And yeah, they literally it could be anybody. They've got Gio <laughs> Reiner as well, haven't they? Oh, that's yeah. a that's a story waiting to happen as well. Yeah. Um, do you think they have got time to sign Fernando Llorente? He's got to be a free agent, right? <laughs> Dumped us out again. I got shivers though. All right, so we're worried about the, the usual suspects then. Let's have a look at our predicted lineups then. Um, I might have picked the same lineup that started last time. I'm not 100% sure, but this Different is this is the player for player. Yeah, this is the most confident I've ever been <laughs> with a lineup. Um, I've literally just picked the same team Edison, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Cancelo, Rodri, Gondo, Bernardo, Mares, De Bruyne, and Foden. Uh, James, what about you? What are you going for? Edison, Walker, Diaz, Stones, Cancelo, Rodri, Kev and Gundo in the midfield. I've taken Bernardo out. Just, I feel like he's going to change something. Um, Mar is on the right. Foden, false nine. And Sterling on the left. And I know after everything we said about Sterling, that you know, he has had such a bad game. That's kind of partly why I think Pep might put him in. And just just for that pace and I don't know I've just got a funny feeling about Sterling could be completely wrong but there we go we'll see if he plays maybe he needs a big game mm -hmm. to just click it back into place uh, Richard so Edison in net obviously I've gone for a back line of Walker Stones Diaz Bromance centre back partnership there I've not gone for Cancelo. I've gone for Zinchenko. I felt like he had a great game against Leeds. I feel like Cancelo's had two really poor games in a row now. And especially against Dortmund on the left, I didn't think he was particularly good there. He wasn't playing even that inverted role that we see Zinchenko play. He was playing more of just a, of a left back. He, wasn't, he didn't have that freedom, that free roaming, freedom to do whatever he wants across the pitch like we've seen in other games. So... If he's not doing that, you can play somebody who's better in that position. So, Zinchenko for me there. Um, same as James in the midfield. I've gone for Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan. Ditch Bernardo. Um, and then in the forward line, I've gone for Phil Foden, Raid Mahrez and I think Gabby Jesus will start. Because there were quite a few moments in that first leg where we needed... Um, a more forward-thinking player rather than a false nine. I know that Jesus isn't always that, but he's a nice sort of waypoint between false nine and playing a striker, an actual number nine, if you will. So, yeah, um, I reckon that Jesus probably gets the nod for this one. Interesting that we've all picked Mares, um, become a big game player in the last month or so, more specifically one PFA player of the month. Um, how do you feel he's been in the last sort of month? I'm more consistent. And we spoke about Torres on the right. Sterling's not in form. Bernardo's been used in the middle a bit more. Really, Maris has had the opportunity to bed himself in a little bit, hasn't it? And he's come out recently in the press and said how much he loves the Premier League and wishes he'd come to City earlier. And seems to be in a good spot at the minute, doesn't it? 
specifically said he wished he went to Arsenal earlier. Oh, did he? I didn't <laughs> yeah. see that. Oh, he said bad. when Arsenal wanted him when he was at Leicester and they blocked the move, he wished he could have gone to Arsenal. Uh, oh, I, I just, think I he, just saw that quote. Yeah, I think he followed it up with that he could have been mainly what he was saying was he could have been playing at the top level for another two years. Right, um, yeah. and they blocked him from doing it. Um, so really, he just wanted that one Premier League trophy all along then, and to win <laughs> fuck all else for the rest of his time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I am putting some faith behind Mares. Um, I'm going for a one 0 win with Mares scoring the only goal. Uh, James. I think I'll go for Kev to score the first goal and 3-1 win. And Richard? I thought about replicating the score line from the previous game and going for 2-1 again, but I think that it will be a lot a lot closer. And I think City, as for as much as everybody says that Leeds wasn't an important game, and it, it really wasn't in the context of the Premier League, but in between... Champions League games, I really think that you don't want to lose momentum that City had there by having a defeat, and we did. Maybe that rattles a few of the players who who would play in both games, so I think Dortmund will score two goals, and I'm going to go for a two-all draw, which would be enough to see City through an aggregate. And you score Silky Silky. Just to let you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's the first time we haven't predicted a win, so the nerves are creeping in. Right, we've covered the Dortmund game. So uh, before we go, it's something a bit new. We've got Tommy, uh, who responds to us a lot on Twitter. He sent her a question. Uh, I believe Richard, play it now. Bad question. Hello, Etty lads. Hope you had a good Easter weekend, bank holiday. Um, my question is to you. How do you feel that City are viewed across Europe from other European countries? Do you think you're now seen as a a big club because I, I live in France now and uh, I see Man City tops and tracksuits wore everywhere whereas five ten years ago you probably wouldn't have seen that many um, and linked to that my other question is do you think you'll ever get away from the tag of small club with not a lot of history from other rival UK fans um, so yeah that's that um, keep up the good work thanks very much and then he also said Allardyce for England. <laughs> Firstly. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, he's right though, he's right. Um, first thing, uh, first, uh, hearing somebody else call us the Etihad is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And I'm not sure I like it. But yeah, the joke's gone too far. <laughs> thanks for sending that through, uh, Tommy. So we'll take the questions one at a time. Um, guys, what about the first question? Um, do you think that City have become a bigger club worldwide? Yeah, I reckon so. Um, I think that definitely more than teams in the UK and or fans of teams in the UK see us as a big club. I think that, you know, how could you not really, just from the outside looking in, uh, all of the big money that we've spent on big players, all of the trophies that we've won, we've been the most dominant Premier League team in the last decade. We've got the best manager in the world managing us. These are all things that if you don't have a heavy emotion, emotional investment involved in tearing City down at every available opportunity, like fans of rival teams in the Premier League have, then you are forced to acknowledge them and just face the reality of it and look at it logically. And so, yeah, I reckon that quite rightly, fans of teams overseas would see us as the big club that we are. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I think it helps when we've had such an interesting squad mix over the last few years. We've had a lot of French players, like Tommy specifically talking about France there. You know, we've had a lot of French players in the squad. Um, I know Aysan off 9320, he said like in the past when he's been listening to like French commentary, that the commentators are just quite um, full of praise for the City players. And like Richard says, there isn't that agenda there. And it's hard for us to say because we're not, we're not on the outside looking in, but just from what you hear and what you can, I suppose, gather from what you can see. It seems that we are perceived as a bigger club now. I think the the tried and true test for me is um, 15 years ago, you get in a taxi in another country and they give you the small talk about what you support that like you say Manchester City and they go, oh, United. And you don't get that anymore as much. They, mm. they understand that it's a separate club. <laughs> so that, that's the biggest acid test for me is, is that I don't have to clarify that I'm not a United supporter. Uh, the God. CFG thing will help as well, won't it? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Much, a much more global presence on the main stage. Uh, and the other half of his question, will we ever be legitimately a big club in the eyes of English fans? And the answer to that is, of course, no. <laughs> I get messages from a Leeds United fan and, and it's not just to do with them beating us but I get messages maybe once a week twice a week saying how little a club how much of a yo-yo club Manchester City are and not to get too carried away about the success that we're having because we will once again go back to being a yo-yo club as soon as the shake quote-unquote loses interest <laughs> Like it just goes to show that's like a just one example, but I feel like that's an embodiment of the attitude that a lot of other fans would have of of Manchester City is they're too blinkered. They just can't look at it for what it is. And there'll always be something to them. And yeah, I just don't think that they'd ever see us. They, they always fall back on the argument of history, don't they? Without actually recognising that Manchester City has a really good, rich history just not going back to the fucking 80s and 90s, which is where they seem to be stuck. Yeah, I think the press have done a massive job on us, haven't they? Like, the, we talk about being, having agendas and things like that, but if you look back the way, the way the press have treated City, that's what goes into the minds of the people that read the headlines or don't do their research into what the club has done for like the good of Manchester and you know, the wider world. They, they choose the oil money tag based on a headline and run with it. So it's going to take a lot of work to undo that. And I feel like Chelsea are moving away from theirs a little bit. So maybe it's possible. Just on that very quickly, there was a great point that somebody made on Twitter recently, which is that Manchester United became popular in that era of like global expansion of the Premier League. And now Manchester City have become popular once a lot of clubs have already staked their claim in that ground. So there isn't really necessarily any new ground to be made there, except for a newer generation coming through. So maybe it literally will just take like perhaps even decades for new generations of fans to come through for it to be recognised. You guys know, I've said on the podcast before, I have a real struggle with this particular thing. Uh, and it really fucks me off when you see us not getting the credit we deserve, but... At the end of the day, fuck it. We're winning the trophies. We're happy. Who cares? Yep. Tommy knows. And that's the important thing. Thank you for sending that to Tommy. It was nice to, to have something new uh, on the podcast. Uh, if you've got any questions, anybody listening, 
to act up a couple of your pod on Twitter, just send him through. Uh, James specifically will like you to send him through to him uh, on his Twitter, just bombard him, DM him, he'll be fine with it. That's me going private. Before we go on, uh, we'll have a look at a quick, uh, quick look at the Etihad table. Uh, Etihad's table. Yes. We're not, not sponsored not yet. Table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the Etihad table. Um, not much has changed. I'm still rock bottom. Uh, James has got an extra point. He's on minus one. And Richard's got an extra point. He's on two. Uh, that table will go up after the Dortmund game, uh, when hopefully I'll get a lot of points. Was I not on minus one before? You were on minus two, pal. Now you're on minus one. What were you yeah, on? you were you were on minus one, James, and then you lost one for the Leeds game, didn't you? So it, uh, it's yeah, minus yeah, two now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Any other business? No, I'm all good. Just to highlight the, we will have a different guaranteed a different team, um, predicted team sent out each week from us and a different predicted score and a different predicted score. So if sometimes people do go a bit outlandish or turn against the team like I've done and not predict a win, that's <laughs> that might be the reason why. I'll keep it interesting. Right, good. All done then. Uh, might have something a bit different next week. We'll see how things pan out. Sunji bye, everybody. Sunji bye. bye.